Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number I don't actually know. My name is Grant uh, and with me is Scott on another episode, a Zoom episode of the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. G'day, Scotty. Hello, everyone. Uh, nice to see uh, you're all back. We've got another special guest on top of our special guest, Rowan. Uh, look, to, today we're going to start doing a four-part series on the 90s, which is... Uh, a fantastic decade. Unfortunately, I only produced uh, one premiership, uh, 99 being a bit of a heartbreaker. Uh, but uh, still lots of famous names. And look, we're going to do, like I said, a four-part series. Today's session will be 20 to 16. Uh, look, before I cross to the next people, I just want to give a bit of a shout out to a friend who contacted me and, and um, he collects uh, Guernseys and he got them all together, sent me um, a photo of it, of the 90s about how passionate he was. So Matt Tanachi, thank you so much for the photo. Uh, you can, you can, um, can see him on EFC Guernsey's at uh, Facebook, but my backdrop is his photo. So thank you so much, Matt. Uh, look, let's cross to the others. Neil joins us as normal, famous for our Bomber Blitz training report. How are you going, Neil? Good, thanks. I think famous is perhaps the overstating a little bit, but uh, very happy to be here. Really enjoyed the 80s and let's hope we have a good 90s series. A lot more difficult this one, I, I noticed, as um, we were talking a little bit off air. There were very few players that actually went across the whole 90s period, which was uh, different from the 80s. So we've got some players that uh, started their career in the 80s or 70s and finished early in the uh, 90s and some that started late 90s and went through to 2000 and had stellar careers. So it's going to be a very interesting conversation this one to see where everyone actually uh, ranked uh, other players. Very Great much so. Very much so. Uh, from Footyology, again, we're absolutely wrapped that Ron Conley could join us again. Just coming off his famous 20 to 1 albums, which, uh, which I must say the top two I, I, I highly applauded. Uh, so Rowan, how are you? Oh, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to run through those top 20 albums first, but no, let's move on. I have, actually haven't moved out of this room since we did last week, so no, really nowhere to go. So I've just been living in here, basically. Um, just to echo Neil's sentiments, I, I found this task a lot more difficult than the 80s. And it's there were few players that actually played a whole decade. Um, and I, I think you're talking about almost three distinct generations. You had, you know, several massive names, um, a group of whom sort of finished up around 92, 93. You know, you had the wave of baby bombers, most of whom didn't start until sort of 92, 93. Um, and then you had the the next wave of baby bombers who were part of that 2000 success. And a lot of them didn't start till around sort of 97, 96 at the earliest. So you've got you know, almost two or three different generations all intersecting at some point. And that's yeah. what's difficult to weigh up. You know, guys who've played a great five years, you know, how does that measure up against someone who's maybe been of a lesser standard but played the whole decade? Which is why I went through and um, at great personal cost to my sanity, um, because my <laughs> maths isn't that great, went through and worked out how many games all these guys had played in the 90s. And that actually helped me a fair bit. So yep. really interesting exercise. And I think we could get some quite different uh, lists this time. Yeah, which would yeah, actually... It'll be quite different for the first time. It'll, it'll make for a really interesting conversation, actually. Look, uh, we're so excited. Uh, I contacted... Uh, 
probably one of the most famous 90s players at the Essendon Football Club, though he won't admit it. But the fact is he is uh, captain of the side of the 90s, three shy of 200 games just in the 90s. So uh, when you're talking about 90s Essendon, you're talking about Gary O'Donnell, and I'm thrilled that he could join us. Welcome, Gary. Thank you very much. Yeah, what a decade the 90s was. Um, pleasure to play in that era. It was the change from after matches and probably less professional stuff in the 80s, where you'd join the team and the umpires in an after match with beers and the pie warmer full of pies and pasties, into an era where you're probably looking at being a little bit more professional. About 95, we sort of became semi-part-time. Uh, we were all full-time workers up until about 95, semi-part-time, and then by about 98, I reckon a lot of the clubs had gone fully professional. So really exciting times. We, we moved from Windy Hill in, at the end of 91, and Sheeds told us when Richmond did it, they went a, won a flag within a year or two, and we'll do the same. Just watch. 93, mm-hmm. we end up winning one. Played in the first ever night final against Carlton, uh, AFL night final. Uh, we had a drawn final that killed us in 1990. The uh, yeah. 91 games, uh, sorry, the 1996 one-point games, and then the lights yeah. going out in 96 against St Kilda. So there was a heap of stuff that happened at the Essendon Footy Club in the 90s, and it was a pleasure to be a part of it. Great introduction. So let's get straight into it. Uh, we're going to start at number 20. Now, this is, it really is going to be a very interesting uh, how each of us think uh, on each player. I'll, I'll start off. Uh, and so my, my first player at number 20 played 92 games uh, for in the 90s for the club. Uh, I can hear Sandy Roberts kind of uh, screaming out, get those pistol um, legs running or whatever, something like that. Uh, but David Calthorpe is actually at my number 20 uh, a guy that uh, I heard James Hurd talk about that was a much better athlete and, and built person than he got credit for, uh, that he found him extremely strong and, and a very, very powerful runner when, when he made himself really fit. Uh, very high competitive player uh, from a fan's point of view. Uh, had a massive impact in those 93 kind of season and, and probably kicked one of the most unusual 60-metre goals coming out of the square in the grand final that you just thought he had no right to kick that far. But I guess adrenaline does an amazing thing. But uh, for, my, for me, number 20, David Calthorpe, I'll go with you, Ron. What do you think? That's an interesting call, yeah. I mean, that goal, I'm sure Gary had agreed, that probably not too many more important goals at Essendon and Essendon players kicked because that was the one moment all afternoon. Blues kicked three in a row, got the margin back to five goals. I, I know I was sitting in the press box absolutely shitting myself. And, um, <laughs> you know, within 10 seconds, we were all relaxed again because he just went bang. And then uh, Smoking and Joe kicked the one on the siren. And it was all over again. So, yeah, huge goal. Uh, interesting call. Look, I'm, I, I'm not giving anything away here. I actually don't have him in the twenty. So um, I saw he played 92 games in the 90s too. So he's, he's racked up the games and yeah, probably arguable on my part, particularly when you hear my number 20. So <laughs> I did mention, um, you know, there's a group of guys who are part of the mid-80s who were at the tail end of their careers. 
Yeah. And they were the ones I found hardest to place. You know, were two or three really good quality years worthy of a spot in the top 20 of a whole decade. In the end, my number 20, uh, he won a best and fairest in the 90s. And that was sort of a critical criteria um, for me. He won the 92 best and fairest. He was still a very good player for at least three years of the decade. Really um, made way, was certainly one of the guys that made way for the group of baby bombers in 93, but was still a very capable senior player. In fact, so much so that when that group got hit by injuries late right at the wrong end of the season, he was one of the guys that came in and played in that first final. Gary's talking about under lights. So can you work out who I'm talking about? No? Oh, yeah. All right. I know, I'll tell you. Alan Ezzard played oh, nice. 62 games in the 90s, won the 92 best and fairest, and was still a very senior and I think very reliable player until the end of 92. So you got three really good years from him, you know, sporadic appearances after that. But, uh, you know, if you win a best and fairest in that decade, I think you've got to be very strongly in contention as one of the best 20. Yep. Well, I certainly had him in strong contention. He was up until about five minutes before the podcast, he was in. But the uh, <laughs> last change, he just got just just missed the boat a bit. But yeah, I was I was thinking a lot about the fact that he did win the BNF in in '91, and he was very close uh, for me as well. Just the other thing about David Calpotthorpe, who I also was just on the outer for me, didn't quite get in. Um, that goal you're talking about, where he kicked in the '93 Grand Final. I reckon he tried to replicate that same goal about 15 more times and he never kicked another one after that. It was, just, it was funny. I still can't believe he kicked that far because he wasn't a particularly long kick. But um, what a fantastic moment that was. Uh, really great. Um, I, almost so had a blue with him. I almost had a blue with him in the rooms one day at training. I was, in, I was interviewing some bloke and I had the tape recorder there and the smart asses picked up the footy and kicked it at me and almost knocked my tape recorder flying. And I was so pissed off, I picked up the ball and drilled it straight back at him. <laughs> Went like this and it was all laced on. But um, I calmed down. <laughs> right, that's the last stupid anecdote, I promise. <laughs> we love the stupid anecdotes. So who do you have, Neil? I had, um, this might be controversial, it might not. We'll see. I had Tim Watson, actually who was um, number two in the 80s. Um, the, uh, he had a quite a good 90 and 91, um, retired in 92, came back in 93 and was uh, serviceable without being great. Um, but uh, I was really tossing up a, a lot over this one and played a bit of 94 as well, but again, wasn't, um, that was, he was really in the decline uh, that period. And even in 93, he didn't come in until around seven or eight or something like that. Um, but he did actually quite well when he did come, come in in 93. He, uh, he got uh, quite a lot of possessions and was quite influential straight away. Um, so there was a number of the, uh, the ones I had, uh, um, Ezard and, and um, Calthorpe we've talked about and a couple of the other ones that were really thereabouts of the mark. Um, but I thought based upon his, his early 90s, I had Watson in it uh, at 20. Okay. Um, for me, I wanted to... I am Denard about 20 a lot. I, I wanted... 
I put in Derek Kickett. I put Derek Kickett at 20 just because he could do the freakiest things out there. And I know potentially he was a little bit inconsistent. Um, maybe he's not going to give you 25 possessions a game. Um, but I just think Derek's natural freakish ability, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see that represented in this top 20. Um, he, yeah, like I said, just, just freakish ability deserves to be recognized, I reckon. And I'd, I slid him in there at 20. Can I, I've just, I've got him higher. Can I just chip in on, on I love kick it. And I thought that um, 1990 season, his first season for Essendon, he was fantastic. Uh, One of the few guys that really flew the flag in, in that grand final, along with Garrick. Um, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> 90, but the year I, I remember in most four was 92. You know, when Essendon really struggled at times and was going through that sort of transitional period. But Derek, so often in 92, held it all together, I thought. He played some wonderful footy for Essendon and he played 77 games in the 90s. Yeah. And it's, you know, one of my... And I know, I'm sure, you know, there are various reasons that he didn't play in the 93 grand final, but it's still, you know, sort of my one regret about, you know, my favourite year of footy that he wasn't part of it because I reckon he'd earned it. He's sort of like the 93 version of... Tony Bahaja in 84 and 85 sort of did all the, the grunt work and probably deserved to be part of it and then really sadly wasn't part of it. But, yeah, great player. I love yep. DK. Yep. I thought he was terrific. I must, I must admit, uh, I'm a little bit like Neil. I, I had Derek kick it in about an hour ago at 20 and then I, I've been watching highlights all day just going, I've got a, all this vision and then there was so much vision of Calthorpe at just – wouldn't it sort of just I couldn't get it out of my head and went okay I'll swap the two so uh, I kind of see him as an equal 20 but I couldn't sit on the fence so I, I put did you did in. you ring did you ring Derek and tell him he was out of your side or did you... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here so Go I'm not gonna it. shit down any of the selections but I'll stumpy Kelthorpe yes how he kicked that fire with those stumpy legs I'll never know nickname stump <laughs> Um, he was, when really fit as a young kid, he, the double tan, he'd do it in about 27 minutes. So a good, like the top tan run blokes around the Botanical Gardens did about 13 minutes for one lap. Sub-13 yep. was very good. He could do two laps in about 27 at his height. So oh. that great goalie kick, he got released beautifully from his opponent, Bradley. There was a, a guy come in and shepherd him and put Bradley on his ass. I won't tell you who that was. But, uh, <laughs> he was a very good yeah, player, yeah. though, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And when Stumpy kicked that goal, and then Masidi, it just broke their heart, I reckon. Broke yeah, their yeah. heart yeah. walking in yeah. the Blues at three-quarter time. Bluey Ezard. Yes, um, best and fairest 91. Like, some of the marks he took maybe in the 80s, but certainly, I think he was the last best and fairest awarded at a family day at the MCG. Can you believe it? The... Um, Affairs now, a thousand people at you know, Crown Palladium and they're, or wherever they have them and they're yep. you know, 250 bucks ahead. The Best and Fairest was uh, awarded and uh, vote or announced at a family day at the end of the season at the MCG because we were moving from Windy Hill to, uh, uh, to the MCG to play the following year. Tim Watson did bugger all in the 90s, but <laughs> influence... And he, he had more tackles. Oh, no. He had more tackles than disposals in 
the grand final. But what he did do, he had the biggest, he, he's in the top 20 probably because the influence he had on about seven young blokes in our side in, that came in the side in 92, 93, 94, mm. that wore 32 on their back. Essendon supporters lived in the Essendon area and they just grew from that. So he's a worthy uh, selection in the 20 for that reason only. Oh, not only, but that reason. And Derek, well, in 93, and 92, very good, but 93, he won two or three games off his own boot. And it yeah. got us to the level <clears> of, uh, we finished on top. So it wasn't a premiership we stole. It was a premiership well, that kicked, we deserved. He kicked, kicked eight against Footscray in the second last game. Yeah. And we were abominable that day. And he was the only bloke. And we only won by two or three goals. And he's got us over the line. Yes, he didn't have much, get much of a kick after that. But some of his torps on the run. Oh, uh, yeah, pro- yeah. Probably the best exponent of a torp on the run I've seen play the game. So, do, do, you, three, do you reckon he should apply, Gary? Uh, well, you, can anyone name the other bloke who missed out? That's a trivia question. David Flood. Flood, It was David Flood. The two blokes coming into the side, Dean Wallace, who was never not going to play if he was fit because Sheeds was all over him. And just the the presence he has on the ground. And then Harb coming back from injury as well. So it was pretty pretty hard to keep those two blokes out. Um, Look, Derek played every game. was an integral part of the side. And, you know, probably deserve to play for playing every game. But you've just, it's a team game, unfortunately. And the way he went about it after that game was disappointing because yeah. it could have detracted from the rest of us and our performances on the weekend. So that's the only thing I hold. Look, I, if it was me, I'd be devastated and I'd be just, I'd be beside myself. But you put on a happy face and then after the game, after we won, then you go and punch she. But, you know, before the game, it was, it was not on. But, you know, like he, he went on to play in a grand final, luckily for himself, a couple of years later for Sydney. So, smart. but yeah, very good player. Top do you player. know, um, do you, have you heard that story about Chris Langford in 84? So no, Chris, Chris no. well, well, Chris Langford was told he, he had to turn up to the ground in his gear with his bag That's and everything. Right. Yeah. But knowing he wasn't going to play, and after the, the ruse had been completed and everyone knew what the side was, he walked straight out of the ground, drove down to, I think, Sorrento Back Beach and just sat on the beach, didn't listen to the game or anything. You know, so yeah, and it's, happened to, it's, and it's happened to some huge names, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's bad luck every year. I remember in, in 1990, 1990, our losing grand final, that should be erased from the decade, let me tell you. But <laughs> Andrew Manning was the guy that missed out, okay? Yeah. Played with us in St Kilda. Not a big name in footy, but when he was uh, let know on that Thursday night, walking out of the Andrew Peacock room at Windy Hill, our, our uh, meeting room um, there, he was, he was beside himself. But he you know, shrugged his shoulders, kept his head high, and was in the room supporting us that game against mm. the Pies. Mm. Nice. Well, all right. So let's go to now uh, number 19. Uh, look, this is actually one of my favourite plays. He, he, he wasn't a highlight reel. Um, he wasn't on, you know, his number wasn't on, uh, on many jumpers, uh, on the back of many jumpers. But if you wanted a reliable performance, this is the guy 
uh, that went out and did his job every week. Uh, and I'm going to say it's David Grenvold. Uh, I loved this player. Uh, and so much so, I actually found it hard to put him at 19. I actually wanted to, to put him up because I, I really cherish players that, that the coach just says, go out and do this job and then just do it every week. No fuss, just professional, just did everything to, to basically, you could almost feel like it did everything to the coach's instructions and uh, uh, probably one of Sheed's faves. Uh, and look, just a, a player, I'm just checking, um, I've played 100 games in, in the 90s. So very much well represented and yeah, he's one of my favourites. So uh, I'm happy to hear what your guys' thoughts on that. But uh, I had to have him in my top 20. Yeah, look, I, no, I, think I haven't got him, but I certainly concur with what you're saying. I, look, I really liked him. My great pity, I reckon, with him is that I've never forgotten this. So he came over in 89, played 89-90. I don't know if you remember this, Gary, but at the start of 91, in the pre-season games, they were playing him on the ball as a ruck rover. And he was killing it. He was playing really, really well. And then I think in the last pre-season game he did his knee missed the whole year lost a bit of pace and then when he came back it was sort of back to the halfback flank but I, 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 I can vividly remember him playing as a ruck rover and I was thinking this guy's going to be great because he I don't know I just felt like he read the play pretty well and he had a, a cool head and he had that body strength um, but yeah look I mean I haven't got him in my 20 but I certainly 100 games in the 90s you know part of a premiership side did his job every week, you know, no quibble with that for me. Um, my number 19 is a, a slightly bigger name, um, uh, Simon Madden. Um, so Simon played 53 games in the 90s and it was a pretty swift decline, I reckon, you know, by the end of 92, he was sort of going up and down the one spot. But um, I think until then, he was still clearly close to, if not the best ruckman in the league. And he was good enough in 1990 to uh, win All-Australian selection as the All-Australian Ruckman. So by that criteria, I reckon, you know, if you're good enough to get in an All-Australian side, you're still the best in your position in the AFL and you've played two years of really good football and one year of solid football. Um, that was enough, even with only 53 games in the decade, that was enough to get him in for me. So Simon. Nice. I had um, I had Simon in. He, I took out two players in about the last ten minutes, and he was one of the ones that I had in, and I took out. I um, <laughs> just went through his stats from the from the nineties, um, and compared to other players, I actually had a look at him compared to even Alessio, um, who I had a bit higher, um, and yeah, his numbers just weren't quite there. And even compared to uh, to uh, Paul Salmon, who was um, playing more forward and ruck as well. Yeah, I, uh, so he was very, very close. Um, but just, oh, here we go. Vision. Um, hope this is Madden taking a little, uh, no, it's not. It. Sorry. Just go. Oh, bad luck. Good vision anyway. Oh, there we go. Look who it the is. Man, the man left himself. foot, number 10, left foot, just Um, yeah, so I, he was very much on the periphery for me. Um, um, we uh, three of us, three of the four of us, had him as number one in the um, 80s, based on his uh, great performances through those years. 
uh, and he was very much on the verge, along with Tim Watson. I was tossing up both Tim Watson and Madden as to whether they'd uh, make it in the team, and eventually I, I uh, just left him out of the uh, that side. Just on uh, what you're saying about uh, David Grenvold, uh, Scott. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, I really like him as a player. He just missed out on my uh, my side as well, but he was also a, a very underrated uh, mark. Chris. He wasn't a particularly tall player but was, uh, could uh, time his leaps particularly well and was very, very solid overhead and really formed a great part of the uh, half-back line through those uh, um, early years in the 90s. So I could... Uh, I could Longy! <laughs> no, I, I actually thought for a second there we were watching a Ben Dolan highlights package. <laughs> Benny Dolan, the long-sleeve Benny Dolan. So, yeah, so- he had his moments. He had his moments. Yeah. Um, I'll just go have, on to my number 19. Yep. Um, Sorry, yeah. Who's I had, um, Justin Blumfield, one of the um, uh, players that debuted in 96 uh, through to 2002. Um, and he was uh, one of the players that uh, later in the, in the later part of the decade, um, 99 and particularly going on to 2000, which I'm not really uh, bringing up in this point, but he... Uh, um, formed an integral part of the, uh, of the side in his ability particularly to take a great mark and kick a goal. Um, I thought uh, him along with um, Heffernan, who uh, I didn't quite make into this one, um, their size and ability to, uh, to compete in the air um, through the wing and half forward line was one of the great uh, strengths that we had during those years. In um, in being able to, and also hitting the scoreboard quite regularly, it was uh, it was uh, a great advantage. So I had him it's as Rhino. my. Uh, there he is. is that Rhino? That's Rhino. He's my favourite. Sorry, that was Rhino. Rhino, I kind of <laughs> look. You can watch the games later, uh, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I, was, I just got a bit excited then. Sorry. Just Finished up, Neil. Go for it. Sorry. Up, okay, no, no, no. I'm 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 done. If anyone wants to uh, add to anything. My, my number 20 uh, is uh, David Grenvold as well. Um, I love a defender. I reckon it's, uh, um, with all due respect to the midfielders uh, on this podcast, um, I reckon it's a bloody hard job um, to be a defender playing AFL footy. So um, I love David Grenvold. He just, again, not unlike our guest today, he just went out and did a job. Um, you, you throw him out on the field and you didn't have to worry about him because he just you knew he was going to do the right thing. So... Um, David Grenvold at 19 for me. Well, just uh, just on that, Gary, I might, I might as well slip into journalistic uh, guys here. So did you feel a sense of sort of liberation when you went from a, a back pocket or half-back flank to an on-ball role? Yes. We've all, as players, we've all got our own aims and you know, motivations to play. But I, I'd like to think that I was one that, okay, wherever the team needed me to play a role, that would be the case. And... To be able to chase in the back line, but also to tag probably when I first went onto the ball as well. Just you just do any role just to stay in the team because in your when you're in the team, you're getting your development and you're getting your improvement. So yeah, just to play any role. So that that was yeah, that was a really good good part. And I, yeah, look, that I agree with you, David. When he was flying that year and he did his knee, um, it would have been interesting to see how he did go on without that knee, but. Grenvold, look, honest as a day's long, love him. Don't see him that often, but it, look, we've got a really good connection because there was the guys that had not played in the 80s premierships in 1990 got their ass kicked. And then, so it was Grenvold, myself, 
uh, Chrissy Danaher, Buick, uh, Somerville, and Dave, we had a, our own little um, a crew going together in 93 as the, as the year built up. And it was our, the call sign was our time. So we'd walk past each other at the club and go, our time. Uh, at the, you know, we'd turn up to the MCG to play a game and put our bags and you walk past each other in the room and it'd just be our time, our time. And it was those six or so blokes. Yeah, okay. We had our glamour young kids coming through. We still had fish, carbs and bomber there. But just to be able to... The, the, there was about a half a dozen of us that really were hurting and ne didn't even think we'd get another chance. You don't. You've got to take that chance. We didn't in 90. And that was, you know, and I, you know David Granbold, uh, Boxhead, as we called him, because uh, we thought he was <laughs> the Aryan German. He also got the nickname Bobcat because he did a lot of good groundwork uh, on the, the nightclub circuit. But certainly a guy, a guy I love. He's a, he's a great fella. Had five girls. He had three girls. I reckon he was trying for the fourth and he got twins, <laughs> twin girls. Oh, wow. so he got five girls. <laughs> wow. Uh, Blumfield is an inter interesting selection. Um, Sheeds gave some big bakes after games, but then after he gave the baker to be, okay, what are we doing next week? This is what we'll do. And he was a really positive person, but yeah, the, I was one in the 96 prelim when we got, got beaten by a point. That got a, a real sting from Sheeds that night. And, and Justin did as well for, for not going perhaps as hard as he could in that last mark that, that Lockett took yeah. to, uh, to, to intercept or even just to bring the ball to ground. And you know, if he had done that, who knows? The, the result may have been different that time. And Simon... Well, he, he would have told you, he, he'll be telling you that even though he only played for two or three years in the 90s, I should be in the top five. That, that'd be Simon. <laughs> but uh, but a, good, a good selection because why Simon had longevity is that he's the best I've seen later on in his career, just working on little things in his game that would keep him ahead of the up and coming Ruckman coming through. You know, the Scott Wine, those sort of blokes that had all the, the physical talent and physical advantage over him, but he, he worked on his craft really well. I think we had Sam Newman there at the end as one of the ruck coaches, and he, yeah. and he helped him as well. But Sam, uh, Simon Madden was a really good one with just working on little things that's going to keep me ahead. And that's, there's no uh, secret why he played 379 games of league footy, a, a fabulous player for us. I can remember, um, I mean, that infamous bake after 96, I remember Ricky Olrenshaw telling me he thought Sheeds was actually going to kill him. I think he slammed his fist into a locker right next to Ricky O's head, you know. But um, that was... I mean, Sheeds was sort of subsequently a bit chastened about that, wasn't he? I think even yeah. he thought he went off a bit too much. Yeah, Sheeds thought he went over the top. But I, personally, and I was the skipper, I don't think he did. It was just that that was the times. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we're all hurt, and it wasn't. You know, if, if that was, if it was going to vent some frustration and let it go, that's fine. I think she. There was a lot of wives and girlfriends that had uh, come to the game and flown to Sydney, and he thought they were outside the door. They were, but I don't think they heard. He thought they did as well, so he was a little bit, um, you know, uh, apologetic and and and. Um, probably kicking himself that he went too far. But no, I, I would have thought it was, wasn't, it was just your genuine spray of the 80s and 90s, I would have thought. Yeah. The other thing about that game, of course, too, is that there was a, a whole lot of players that were injured during that game. 
and yeah. it wouldn't have been available for the grand final. So even if we did make it, while we it were, a, it would have been a, a Pyrrhic, uh, what they call it, a Pyrrhic victory. Yeah, yeah. It, we, so Lordy went, and then we didn't have Mercury as well. Uh, there was a, there was two or three that weren't playing, and then yeah, yeah we probably finished with seventeen fit men. So yeah, it was going to be we're going. But the thing is. The hardest part is making a grand final. Once yeah. you make it, anything can happen. It's on yeah. the day. You know, North, yeah. may, North would, would have been a raging favourite, but you never know. You don't mm. know what happens on the day. Yeah. And yeah. that's the, the hardest thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember I, I actually um, drove up to Sydney for that game. And uh, it was actually an amazing time because I'd been to various games in Sydney over the years. And nobody had any idea about AFL at all. They, they didn't even know the game existed. And when I went up there on this occasion, um, checked into this hotel, this sleazy little hotel at King's Cross. I don't know why we were there, but the, <laughs> and the, the first thing the guy asked, are you up here for the football? I thought, well, that's, that's a bit different. And no, it's uh, King's Cross. That's why. Yeah. All the news presenters were dressed in Swans colors and, um, and, there was streamers all over the place, which I'd never seen anything like before. And the even though I was devastated when we lost, the the atmosphere at the ground, being with the with the Sydney supporters, was just incredible. It was probably the most uh, uh, the most spontaneous and amazing um, display of emotion that I've seen from a from a supporter group. Um, so. Even though it, it was, was a, a nightmare, Neil. It was a nightmare. Yes. It was. Um, yes. I was the skipper. My dad and his mate drove up as well. Um, it was what it was. It was the hundredth year or the celebrations of the AFL's hundredth year. It was a gold cup on offer. It was gold medallions, and I was the skipper. I was just beside myself, and yeah. I didn't get home that night. I think it was Harbs, myself, Wally, Longy. We were in a King's Cross cross-dressing pub till daybreak uh and <laughs> that was it uh i'd pack my bags i might have seen for them to there, go actually. to the bus and i'll meet you at the airport boys it was just and and i was rooming with maddie lloyd and he got injured so him and his parents didn't want to see me and that's my excuse okay i was actually i was actually doing the uh, match report and uh so sitting in the noble stand press box and I had to have the whole thing written. And then it was right on deadline, you know. So I, I filed everything and just left a space for like two paragraphs on top, which I was going to dictate over the phone to the sports editor. So Plugger takes the mark and I've got him on hold. And he's watching the TV in Melbourne. And I say, okay, hang on, hang on. And, um, and Plugger kicks it and he goes, you're right, you're right. And I go, yeah, just hang on a second. Put my hand over the phone and just went, fuck. <laughs> Sydney are into the grand final next week. <laughs> that was a shocker. I was, I was All right, we're doing this again, Scott. I'm going to be here till breakfast. Number eight. Okay, okay. Let's Not go. I enjoyed the day, but it was actually interesting seeing the uh, the Sydney supporters afterwards. I would have been more interested if it was us giving it to them, but you know, yeah, yeah. So let's we went go. Went up there in '97 and lost by a point again, so that killed it. Yeah, yeah. Number 18. <laughs> number 18. Number 18. We will get there. So, look, 18 for me, this is the most nervous one I've got on the list because I don't know if people are going to slam me because he should be higher or he actually... Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. 
Or, or, or uh, yeah, they'll slam me anyway. But uh, or, or does he even be in the top 20? I don't know if people think he's eight or 21. Uh, centre-half forward. Uh, only played from about 96, 97 onwards. Uh, had probably one really good year and then sort of cameos in the other years. Um, his name is Scott Lucas. And look, obviously a very famous name at the club. Uh, I originally just, it was interesting when I saw the top 20, in my head I went, oh yeah, Scott Lucas is going to be around the top 13. And then the more I researched his actual 90s, sort of what he actually achieved, I realised how much from 2000 onwards he he became such a superior player. Uh, but still, he showed definite moments in, in the late 90s that probably just got him into that, that top echelon of the top 20. Uh, so I'll, I'm, I'm going to go with Scott Lucas at 18. Um, yeah, okay. You are an idiot, Scott. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, look, I, I, I desperately wanted to get him in. I love Scotty. And he's always been a favourite. But I just thought, so he played 69 games in the 90s. I sort of, I had a look at Matthew Lloyd v Scott Lucas in terms of return because Lloyd, he debuted the previous year. Yeah. Uh, and I thought goal-wise, they'd probably be reasonably close to each other, but they weren't. Lloyd, he kicked about three or four times as many goals. Yep. I think Scotty ended up with about 50-odd goals in the 69 games. So I just, I couldn't squeeze him in in the end, but... Yeah, look, I mean, you know, his impact when he fired was pretty considerable, so I don't think it's a silly selection. Um, I've gone with... Uh, well, actually, this one's interesting because I... Not 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 a champion um, had his moments, but I, I just felt like over the course... This guy was, you know, not all that many players even played over 100 games in the 90s, you know, and he, this guy's one of them. And he was a real soldier, you know, probably wasn't that far away from a 93 side, certainly played some decent footy in 93. Um, and got better and better, I thought, as he got older. So he's played 111 games, ended up taking over basically as the, the number one or sharing the ruck load. Um, I went for Steve Alessio at okay. 18. Okay. So you're you're not far from my yeah my, what my next selection might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, Neil, yeah, I had um, I had Lucas a little bit higher than that, but uh, I had a look at his stats and he kicked uh, forty nine goals, thirty one in uh, nineteen ninety eight, and uh, unfortunately broke his leg in nineteen ninety nine. It was one of the. Uh, um, one of the really unfortunate things there because apparently both he and James Hurd were ready to return late in 1999. They were both available for the um, preliminary final. I think you could uh, ask Gary about that a little bit later. And both of them um, got left out to, uh, to uh, maintain the group that had come through. And I've always thought particularly, uh, not so much Lucas, but particularly Hurd, if he'd managed to actually get a game, um, if he could have just made, been the difference in such a tight one, because it's uh, it's hard to imagine with the skills that he had that he wouldn't have been able to um, done a few special things to uh, to bridge the gap, and even just his experience in times of that. But um, I had um, um, I also had Alessio a little bit higher, but my number eighteen was Blake Caracella. Um, 
another one of these nice. players that came in the late 90s, and I had a look at his stats. He didn't play uh, a, a whole lot of games in the 90s, but he uh, was very consistent um, hitting the scoreboard, um, got some quite yeah. good disposal numbers. And um, again, one of these half forwards in the uh, little bit different to um, Justin Blumfield in that he wasn't such a high marking player, but um, a very clever player, uh, used to um, um, outwork his opponents and was excellent actually finding space. You'd often see him out by himself uh, and you wonder how on earth he got there. Um, one of my favourite moments of him was, I think it was in about his fifth game, um, I think it was against Geelong, where he uh, um, went for a, yeah went for a, took this pack mark, which is incredible courage, and it's one of those sort of acts that you see particularly early on in a player's career when it's their time to go and they do actually go and they complete the task. And I think he got up and kicked a goal, and I thought, well, this is a player to really look for in the future. I think he could be something quite special. And um, yeah, we didn't play a whole lot of games. I said the '90s, but I thought the output that he did have. Um, uh, got him to number 18 on my list. Well, I, had, 50, I was along the same lines as... Seven. I was along, I'm on the same page as Scotty. Um, Scotty Lucas, for me, uh, he was... Uh, I sort of see him as the, the Scotty Pippen to the Michael Jordan. He was mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen to Matty Lloyd's uh, Michael Jordan, <laughs> for me. And centre-half forwards, uh, it's a tough position to play. And I love that left boot. Um, so he gets 18 for me. Yeah, Gary. well, uh, Scotty, you you and uh, Grant are copying each other's homework, aren't you? That's two in a yep. row. Grant involves <laughs> no, Scott Lucas. We've just known each other for 37-odd years now, so we sort of think the same. Hey, look, I haven't done the research you blokes have done, but certainly Scotty. Um, and you know what? A lot of young players, when they come through, they're in and out of the side as well, especially in their first year. They end up playing two, 300 games, but uh, they're in and out. People don't uh, remember that. But, yeah, 570 goals, 270 games. He ends up winning two best and fairest. But, yeah, probably has had a, the output in the, in the, in the 90s. Carousella, just the, just the veritable uh, pop-up sprinkler. He read the play so well. And um, just, well, when I was at Brisbane and all the salary cap issues had it, happened in uh, 2000, the first bloke Lee wanted, Lee Matthews wanted, was Heffernan. And Heffernan was in Rome and I had to ring him and chase him and say, look, we're chasing you. And he said, oh, no. Look, I, uh, and he didn't want to make a decision. He ended up going to Melbourne. But if he had been in um, Australia, he probably would have t- make it, made the choice to go to Brisbane. Brisbane had just lost Desi Headland. And Carousella was the perfect replacement for Desi Head. Just the icing on the cake, the bloke who can read the play really well and get you your two or three goals a game that just adds to your team and was a, you know, a terrific player. And there's no um, secret why he is a very good coach because he read, he read the game so well. So, um, you know, fabulous player at, uh, at three clubs. And the last one, Alessio, one of the funniest blokes you'll meet in footy and what, very strong hands, very, very strong hands. And if he had been switched on, he might have even played in 93. That's how good a player um, he was. He just was late um, with some of his uh, Keeler Keeler Park mates, you know, McCurry, all those blokes coming in. And he, he didn't quite get to the club and get himself into into shape and into the, into the footy, AFL footy scene uh, early enough. But we had this thing 
we called the Tommy Tico. We used to train, uh, do the ruck training with uh, David Whedon and um, rucks and, and on ballers. And we'd do the uh, centre bounce where Tommy Tico, man, you know, the old uh, conductor, um, the guy who conduct orchestras, yeah. the Tommy Tico was yeah. just put his hand up in a ruck contest, jump on the, on the ruck bag and let the ball roll down his arm and you'd stand behind you and catch it. And we never tried it. And we were up by about 10 goals in a game and we're running back to the centre. <laughs> I said, Seth, Seth, the Tommy Tico's on. He said, okay, very, very. And it was hilarious. He jumped up. I can't, I'd love to find the vision, but he jumped up into the other ruckman, let it hit the back of his hand, roll down his arm and off his shoulder. And I took it and gave it off. And we end up taking that, kicking the goal, and we're running back to the centre going, Tommy Tico, Tommy Tico. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things you've ever seen. Who was he up against in the ruck? No, I can't remember. Who was he up against in the ruck? I can't remember the game, can't remember the, the, the opponent, but we only tried it once in our lives. We trained it, you know, muck around at training, and it worked once, 100% ratio. <laughs> yeah, 100% Fantastic. success rate. That's amazing. Well, you, talk, you, talk about, you talk about CES in 93. Like, you can't have been far away from that uh, premiership side. And, and, you know, like the famous Essendon Geelong game, you know, Ablett 14, Sam and 10. It was Alessio who ended up winning the game. You know, came back on, took a couple of big grabs and kicked the match-winning goals, you know. So he, yep. he was doing it even in his first season. Yeah, fabulous yeah. player and good selection. Yeah, very good. Yeah. It's, one right. the, um, it's one of the funny things about that game where mm. Ablett kicked 14, but um, Salmon kicked 10 and was off before three-quarter time. And then Alessio came on and kicked another three or four himself. So between them, they both kicked nearly 14 from full forward. So. Magical game. Very good. Now let's go to uh, number seventeen. Uh, this is a nice, quick one for me, Steve Alessio. I had, so I'll go straight to Rowan. Um, well, this can be quick too, because I think he was your number twenty. I, I've gone with Tim Watson at seventeen because I thought he was. You know, look, he won the eighty-eight and eighty-nine best and fairest. He was captain in ninety, still playing really good footy. I thought right up to when he retired, so ninety ninety-one. I think he played his role in 93, played an important role. And he only played nine games in 94. But, you know, I had his number on my duffel coat for several years. He was my hero. So um, I reckon 63 games in the 90s, captain of a grand final side, still a very good player for at least two of those seasons. That's enough for me. Okay. A fair point too. Yep. Uh, My number 17... um, Probably a player that I uh, that um, a lot of clubs love to hate, and he deserves to be on the list just because of the fact that Carlton players uh, hate him as much, and supporters hate him as much as anything else. The uh, 1997 best and fairest, uh, Sean Denham. <coughs> he uh, most famous uh, for his role on Greg Williams in the '93 Grand Final. Um, so he came across to us from Geelong after uh, having quite a good career at Geelong, I thought, um, until 92, he came over. And uh, not necessarily the most talented player in the world, uh, but he did have a very good neat kick. He could kick both left and right foot. Um, but also quite a bit in the um, role of, uh, of Gary himself when he came in, and a very uh, uh, determined and nuggety um, uh, tagger. And, um, but he could also get quite a lot of the ball himself. 
and um, he played uh, right through until uh, where was it uh, 2000 and it was uh, then that he um, uh, really struggled to uh, have a bit more of an impact but the uh, right throughout the uh, 80s I thought he uh, sorry 90s I thought he's a great servant of the club and um, and I thought he was a uh, worthy member of the team at uh, 17. Very yeah, much I've so. Got, I've, got him, I've got him higher. So, so me, I've, I was about to say, I, I must admit, I, I've got him quite a bit higher. I've got a, quite a few plays to go to, I get to Sean. So I, but, uh, but uh, yeah, he, he was a fantastic player. I think it was quicker than what people gave him credit for. Uh, but for me, he was, he, he did his role uh, really, really well. And, and like you said, he obviously did some tagging roles, but I thought he was really creative as well. Like I, I, I thought he was quite a damaging player in those 93 finals. Uh, and like, I, I really rated him quite high. So uh, I probably did a lot of highlights of him today, seeing, seeing a lot of things, but uh, my memory of him was like, he was a mu- he was such a much better player than, than probably what the Eastern folklore kind of gave him maybe credit for. I just, but he, he ranked highly, uh, I guess, in my list anyway. <coughs> uh, well, for number 17 for me, <clears throat> potentially controversially consider how much we've just spoken about um, Cess. But I had Peter Somerville in over Cess, just. Um, I loved Somerville's ability around the ground. Um, I really loved his tap ruck work. Uh, I, thought, I thought he was a very... Very talented tap ruckman when he was up and about. He could take a big grab um, high up in the air. Again, did reasonably okay at, at full forward and in the forward line when he played. Um, but I just thought he was a he was a very mobile ruckman, um, and I think it's it's to uh, to a lot of ruckmen nowadays. Well, sorry, but after that period of time, we had a few dinosaurs running around in the in the AFL. Um, so I had. I had Somerville just over Cess. Um, there's one question I wanted to ask on the Cess um, subject with Gary. There's a there's a rumor, and Scott, you might have told me that this is this is crap, but I, I heard a rumor years ago that Cess walked into the club, undrafted, and said, "Can I have a game?" Is that true? Yeah, I, I, it is correct. I think it was. Um, you went down with a mate of Ross Napoli. Mate of Ross Napoli, yeah. In the under 19s and they're all thick as thieves. These like, but he was closer to Ross Napoli, and uh, he, he virtually said, "Yeah, can I can I start training with you blokes?" And Sheeds, yep, no worries. <laughs> you, you know, in those days, there was a lot of them. You know, bloke, Sheeds wouldn't die wondering. He wouldn't die wondering. Yep, come and train with us. Yep, beautiful. No, okay, you're no good. But if there was one, oh, geez, he shows a bit. <laughs> come back tomorrow. You know, like. Yeah. Seth obviously nice. better than that. And you know, you know, the other thing that's funny about that, Gary, is that uh, Seth's brother, um, Tony Alessio. Played with Coburg. Huh? He played with Coburg, did he, I think? Yeah, yeah. yeah but but yeah. prior to that, um, I've never forgotten this. It was the pre-season of 1990. And I did a Footscray Collingwood practice match out of Baronia. And Sheeds used to write um, for the age, and he'd always be ringing up. Anyway, he must have he must have rung the office. This is on a Sunday, you know. He must have rung the office and found out that I've, I'd been at this practice match. No mobile phones back in these days. So my home phone rings at like eleven p.m. on a Sunday night, and my <laughs> wife picks it up. 
And she says, oh, Kevin Sheedy, he's on the phone. I said, oh, here we go. And he wanted to pick my brains about Tony Alessio because he was quite sort of interested in him as a key forward prospect. Yeah. Big, strong body guy. Yeah. Um, and it obviously built, built like an Adonis. Yeah, yeah. No, really good build. The other thing I was just going to throw in about Somerville, Grant, is that he actually played the third most games in the 90s of any Essendon player, 153. Yeah. So he certainly had longevity. Yeah. He had really, he had really nice touch. His his yeah. hands in the ruck, he didn't belt the ball. It was like he was he had a really depth touch. And in the modern day, ruckman uh, ruck coaches sometimes use uh, raw eggs to actually oh. get ruckman to actually not be as not be as um uh, as hard on hitting the footy. And so obviously, yeah. But I, I thought Peter had some we had some big arguments. No, the three of us in the centre. The three on ballers at times. We want it hit here. No, I'm hitting it here. You, last time it was no good, and he uh, he was had that you know country boy Moe you know stubborn streak, but had really good hands. Um, Watson, we've already mentioned Alessio as well. Shawnee Denham, he's the first bloke I jumped in the trench with. He he is a beauty. I love him. He um I'm glad he came. David Whedon got him from Geelong to Essendon, and Sheeds wasn't a big rap for him early. He didn't. He was played a, quite a few twos games, but Sean coming to the club helped release me as well because he played on Williams and he played on Bradley and he played on Tony McGuinness. He used to carve up as well at, at Adelaide, so that was good. But Sean and Sean would have won the best and fairest in '94. Would have. He got uh, two games suspension in the '93 Grand Final to hit in Williams, and he heard he won the '94 Grand. Uh, uh, Best and fairest, but Sean was like a half a game behind him and missed two games. Sean Denham was our best player in '94, so he's a very good selection in in the in the top twenty. And yeah, a few of you have, have got him even higher. Yep. I, I always had the imp- I always had the impression Diesel um, not worried, but you know Diesel least preferred to play on Denham than just about any other opponent he had. A lot of these blokes. In the in the eighties and nineties, you get tagged. The taggers were under pressure because the rest of the team. You you play on John Platten. You had the whole Hawthorne team against you. you had Brereton looking out for you. You had well, um, Greg Williams. If he wasn't happy with a tagger, you know what was going to happen. And Sean did not care. You could do it. You could hit him all day, and he just hit you back. The same with Shane Heard. Mm. Shane Heard the same would get smashed by Greg Williams and he'd just smack him back. Yeah. Is that the best you got? And he'd walk him back to the, the, the huddle at three-quarter time and, you know, Williams would probably give him one. And Sean, uh, Shane Heard, Sean was the same. they just both give it back. Okay, there it is. I'm going to wear one. You're going to get one back. Well, he broke his nose. Diesel broke Denham's nose in the 93 grand final. Yeah. The classic moment was the Monday, uh, mad Monday at uh, the Sydney Lions Club in Kensington and he turned... The Greg Williams, right. uh, Reese Jones photo, um, so it faces the wall, and the, right. uh, pub, the pub erupted. Yeah, that was on the Channel Ten News report of it. I remember. Mm. Oz with Smoke and Joe's, you know, with these uh, smoke. That's right. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just nice. last word on uh, Summer before we go. Um, he, I didn't have him in my uh, top uh, top twenty. My only really knock on him was that. Uh, 
he didn't really seem to contribute too much when the ball actually hit the ground. He tended to seem to um, stand around and spectate a, a bit to me. Um, Possibly, but one, one thing he did do when the ball hit the ground, he was looking for blokes to knock over. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, that helped. And I remember... He had a mean streak. I'm sorry, he looked like his career was just about coming to an end in 97. I thought he was on the borderline of whether he'd stay on or not. And in the very last game of the year was the Princess Di game um, when she died out at uh, Princess Park against Adelaide. And he played an absolute ripper. One of the best games I saw him play. And, and I reckon that got him an extra couple of years on the, on the list. So. One, one of the best games... Last game and Wallace was number three votes that game as well. That's Wallace. right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the best games Somerville played was his first. I always thought he, um, yeah, debut against North yep. Melbourne at the MCG. I think he kicked four. Yeah, well, he got three Brownlow votes that game. Yeah, yeah, his very first game. All right, let's get on with it. All just right. another quick, just, just a, sorry, Scott, just a quick one for for Gary. When you're in the midfield and you you're competing against your com- opponent and that sort of stuff, does a, a ruckman with a mean streak like Somerville or a bloke that throws his weight around in there? Does it really help you guys? It helps, yeah, it does. And he doesn't necessarily, a Ruckman doesn't necessarily have to have a mean streak. He just needs to have a mindset. The ball hits the ground, I'm going to follow it after the tap and create a path. So, but yeah, Summer did have that mean streak. The other Ruckman, you know, Simon, uh, Paul Salmon, those guys, Alessio, all had it. But Summer was, Summer was there to, you know, the sharpen the elbows first. And, um, <laughs> I'm not sure he got reported too often either, but he was always looking for it. So that, that makes you walk taller as a, a midfielder, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's... Uh, we'll go on to 16. I, I think that's a little bit why Bell Chambers is f- always a fairly solid pick because I, I always get the feeling that his grunt and physicalness, physical, yeah. physicality around the ball actually helps the midfielders get released a bit. That's just my little ob- observation anyway. Even- he was no good in the 90s. He's in a nappy, though. So that's... <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> that's very true. So let's go... So uh, on, that, so on that sledge, let's go to uh, number six. <laughs> let's go to number 16. Uh, this is the last one for this show. I had Blake Caracella. Uh, look, I loved watching Blake play. It was very obvious uh, early on that he had a very high IQ. Uh, I, I, we've already talked about him, but it was no, um, it was no kind of mistake that he ended up being a very much desired assistant coach around the AFL, because if it's a guy that that for some reason you wanted to find space, this guy had a gift in finding space. Uh, he always amazed me how much he had a ten meter gap uh, on opponents, and he just re- read the play so well. And uh, he was my number sixteen, and I'll go to you, Roko. Um, yeah, I, I haven't got Cara either, so uh, I must be betraying my age here. As much as I love those 2000 guys, I just felt that maybe they had to earn their stripes a bit more. But uh, we've talked about my number 16, and it is Derek Kickett. I mean, one thing that's worth pointing out, he only played four seasons, but he played 77 games. Now, right off the top of my head, I reckon that would be 77 out of a possible... 88 or something. So, yeah. like, he, he's been very durable. Mm. And I'd say for three quarters of that period was one of Essendon's very best players. Mm. And, again, I go back to 92. You know, when the side was really struggling, 
there were times there when it felt like a real one-man show. Um, so, yeah, again, terribly unfortunate not to play in that 93 flag, but a very big part of Essendon's early 90s. So he's my number 16. Yeah, I, I could. I can certainly um, uh, see where you're coming, Derek Kickett, and there, there's certainly a very good argument to have him in there as well. So I can, uh, can certainly appreciate your point of view there. Um, the other thing too about him, one of the reasons I think one of the reasons why he was so upset about, well, lots of reasons why he was upset about being missing out on the premiership, but he'd actually played 48 consecutive games leading up to that, to the uh, to the grand 48. final, and um, you know, but it's just one of those things he. He had to pick somebody. Um, as Gary said earlier, um, um, Dean Wallace is always going to make it. And uh, he came and kicked a couple of goals and uh, flattened Mill Hanna with a perfect hip and shoulder, which was... Which, um, which, meant, which meant that Essendon won by seven goals instead of six goals. Yeah. <laughs> but Mil, Mil Hanna was a, was a very good player for them leading up to then. It was a, he really created a lot of great runoff halfback and just that single act. Plus the the physicality, um, showing that you're out there to play. It's a it's a it's a re- very important part of all I think. Um, but my number sixteen was um, Scott Lucas, um, as has been mentioned a little bit earlier. I had a little bit higher than some of the others. Um, yeah, there's a debate as to as to where you uh, have these players that came in late in the uh, career. I um, Late in the uh, decade, rather, I had him off the back of a really good 98 where he uh, uh, held down centre-half forward with 49 goals um, for a young player. Uh, I thought that was a great effort. He, he really took a while to establish himself on the side. He was, he was in and out, while Lloyd came in and was really a pretty well an overnight sensation. Um, he did take a little while, a little bit long to, to establish himself, but um, I thought he was showing great signs and when he broke his leg in 1999, if that hadn't happened, I'm pretty confident we would have uh, gone all the way, which we probably should have anyway, really. Remember that great uh, win over Carlton in 98 where scores were level and Sauce um, sort of fumbled the ball slightly and did a oh, pretty yep. awkward sort of clearing kick and literally yeah. in the last... 30 yeah, seconds. A horrible and Scotty, little hack kick from him. And Scotty, Scotty just picked up on 50 and went bang and went right over <laughs> yeah. Sauce's right head. Over his head. I love that. Yeah. Particularly because it was Sauce yeah. too. That yeah. <laughs> made it even better. And it nice. was against Carlton. Yeah. Nice. Uh, number uh, 16 for me. Number 16 for me. Yep. Uh, Shawnee Wellman. I had Sean Wellman at number yep. 16. Um, what do you play? 178 games for us. Um, all Australian in '98. Um, so he played seventy. He, he played seventy six games in the '90s. So you know, fair, fair amount. Loved his runoff halfback. Um, really started for me the that the ability for Backman to really make an impact with run out of the back line. Um, very assured over the ball. Uh, from what I, what I remember, is very assured over the ball. Um, good, solid. Again, I love a backman. Um, so, um, Shawnee Wellman gets it for me. Yeah, I've got, I've got him uh, fractionally higher. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've got him higher as well. He's not far away from me too, so uh, he's going to be in the next show. For no, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, Shawnee Wellman, uh, very good selection. He sometimes you you don't cross paths with blokes, especially when you're working full time, etc. Uh, like they, they're not in each other. Well, when we weren't in each other's pockets necessarily like they are these days. But Sean Wellman, it took me a trip to South Africa 
to Cape Town or to Sun City into Cape Town to have a really good trip with him to really get to know him really well at the top of Table Mountain, actually. There's a story I can't tell you about that, but it was a fabulous, fabulous day and um, uh, really got to know him well and a really good player for us. His first session, it was down at Aberfeldy and Mark Williams is still an assistant coach with us. And uh, I think it was blokes in the rehab group were separated from the main group and Mark Williams had them having uh, like uh, piggybacking each other and running up and down and holding bricks everywhere but you know doing squats with a bloke on your back and some of them probably had leg troubles and that's why they're in the group and Wellman's <laughs> looking going, and he's come from Adelaide going oh shit what have I got myself into but uh, Some, that's unlike uh, unlike Unlike Choco to be half crazy, Jared. No, geez, he was bull of the gate. But yeah, passionate, <laughs> one of the more passionate men you've seen in footy. Carousello, we mentioned him before, but he's probably the grey head, greyest headed man for an assistant coach I've ever seen. Normally, you get it when you're a senior coach. Yeah. He is great. He is Mr. Silver. He's the Silver Fox already. Yeah. Scotty Lucas, we've already mentioned, but. His goal kicking was very good and he was always working on his craft in off days, take a barrel of balls out with him at, and, at uh, Windy Hill and, and, and you know, having his 50 extra shots on a, an off training night. But you know, who would forget the, well, you can't forget the, um, the seven goals he kicked over at uh, Subiaco in a quarter. I think it was in uh, Sheeds yeah. and Herd's last um, away game virtually. And, um, and got and robbed played, of an eighth too. He, he, he played the first up. half... He played the first half at centre-half back and was filthy. Wanted to play out forward, moved him after half-time. He's kicked seven. Amazing stuff. And mm-hmm. Derek Kickett, we've talked about him, but a story about him, uh, Greg Williams. Sheeds actually used to say, all, with, with all the quick blokes, if, if you cork them, they're not as quick. Or they can't run if they've got a corky. <laughs> well, one night uh, at Sydney, we played Sydney, and Greg Williams was still playing at the Swans. And he, like, it was a real, it was a shitty act. He'd come across kick it and corked his thigh and went off, you know, 10 minutes before half-time. Half-time time goes, we file into the room. And Derek's got this big, I don't know what you'd call it, a hematoma, is it? But, like, his thigh had come up like a grapefruit with, with uh, blood. And Bruce Reed got the syringe in and sucking it and putting it into a dish and sucking it. And it in. Oh, I, reckon he, I reckon he got about 500 mils. He had to have a blood transfusion. And poor old Derek is screaming and yelling and we're walking past him into the rooms and Bruce Reed, you know, bang, and into the dish. It was, a, it was amazing. Blood amazing stuff. You mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned Scotty. Do you remember when um, Scotty Lucas had that period where he had that growth coming out oh, of his yeah. elbow? It's yeah. a, it, it was... It was like something out of um, Predator or something. It had a life of its own. Had, it, had its own uh, name almost. It had its own postcode. Yeah. That's how big it was. Yeah. Well, Peter Somerville would have been liked it on the end of his elbow. Yeah. Well, can I, can I just say a, a massive thank you for or basically all five of you um, uh, for joining the show. Gary, look, uh, we can't thank you enough. Uh, look, we, we're going to uh, do parts two and three next week. So I'm going to put out the fishing hook. I've, I've got to interrupt you, though. Um, I only came on the podcast for the 16 to 20 because <laughs> I thought I'd be in the 16 to 20. And obviously, <laughs> oh, you blokes don't oh, know much about it. You've obviously Come got on. me in the 20. I don't care. 
I'm never doing this again. I thought I'd be 16 to 20. You blokes owe me. <laughs> couldn't squeeze uh, you. I couldn't squeeze you in, Gary. It was either you or Willie uh, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to come back. You've got to come back and do the rest of this. I might have to, mightn't I? I think you should. If you haven't got anyone, like we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think yeah, you should. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I'll get. I'll give you some times that we can possibly do it next week and, and see how you go. We'll work the other way, 21 to 25, so I get in next week. <laughs> no idea? I am in that. So, I look, reckon there's a chance you might fit in there somewhere. So, look, again, very much uh, appreciate, Gary. Uh, Ro, Rowan as well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you had such good Pleasure feedback. We had such good feedback from the 80s ones. Uh, by the way, Gary, just so you know, uh, it was between Madden and Watson for the 80s. Number one. And Hello. Hello. Oh, right. <laughs> Look at the centenary gun. The centenary gun. Wow. Yeah. So we ran out in the knickerbockers in this hat. So That's this right. Is the... <laughs> On the inside. As a night, uh, Boris kicked, uh, what was it, eight or nine? Or I think he kicked nine, yeah. Nine, yeah. yeah. Nine. Well, we've got oh. some audio issues over there in Perth. He was at Penta. Yeah. yeah. He got, nah, got missed, missed all uh, of that, Gary. Oh, did you? Sorry. Yeah. You got me. Keep, got you now. Yeah, got you now. Got me now. Yeah, so uh, he was back coming back from a knee reco and yeah. he played about four games in the twos, but he thought he only needed one. She, <laughs> no, you need another one. No, you need another one. And about the fourth game, he played him and he went ballistic. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I've I, I got a funny feeling he might be represented in, in one of the shows. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, look, thanks, everyone. Uh, part two will come out also very soon. Uh, so uh, check out our YouTube channel, Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, for that. Uh, you can also catch – this will also be on an audio podcast, which will be on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, all, all the basically all the podcast channels. Uh, so check out for the audio version or the video version on YouTube. Again, thank you everyone for coming along. We look forward to the next round of debates. Uh, and yes, this is the lunchtime catch up signing off. Bye.